0: Check, check, check. Hello, and welcome to Comic Book Herald Live. Hey everybody, I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of comicbookherald.com. Today, we're gonna be talking about a lot of comics. We're gonna be talking about stuff that went on in New York Comic Con, primarily the X-Men News. We got some questions already rolling in here here in the live chat. We got plenty to cover. Thanks for joining live to those of you that are here or will be here. As always, I'm Dave from ComicBookHerald.com. The world's greatest website? No, I can't even say that. What is the world's greatest website right now? What would that even be, right? How antiquated are websites? Oh, man, what am I doing running one? (laughs) What's the point? What's the point of it all? Uh, The world's greatest Judgment Day reading order. That's for sure. All the Judgment Day tie-ins updated on CBH every Wednesday. It is the greatest reading order you will find. The, The issues are not coming out in reading order. They are coming out not in chronological order. They are coming out, you know, on a release schedule that doesn't always map to that. I'm mapping them in chronological order, as I have done with every Marvel event uh, since, well, live since 2014. Um, But you can find every Marvel event that has ever happened on Comic Book Herald if you want a good reading guide. Okay? But enough about me. Enough about my talents and my successful website. Let's talk about the X-Men comics today. Let's also talk about what happened in New York Comic Con. A lot to cover here. Um, Do we want to start with the issues today? Do we want to start with the comics that came out today? Or do we want to talk about NYCC 2022? I feel like we should start there. I feel like we should start with New York Comic Con um, in the announcements right? Doesn't that feel right? Uh, tell me if you don't think so. Tell me there's any issues with sound, video, all that fun stuff as well. Otherwise, I'm just going to dive in because like, listen, we gotta get, I got to get the kids in the bath. We got to get the kids to bed. Everybody already had pizza, so that part's covered. But like, there's a lot of dadding that needs to happen here. So we got to We got to get to it, huh? All right. I'm seeing a few votes for NYCC, so we're going to do that, baby. Okay. First up, Big announcement, Sins of Sinister. Okay, we already knew about it. It's coming start of 2023. It's going to be an X-Men event. Uh, my suspicion, my my theory, was that it's going to be Age of Apocalypse-esque. It is absolutely going to be that. That is confirmed. We've got a ton of details about what Sins of Sinister is actually going to be. Here's some quotes from Marvel and the press release. The Powers of Essex playing on Powers of X. So we're going to get stuff in the now. We're going to get stuff in the future. We're going to get stuff in the distant future in the world where sinister wins okay we'll seek to stretch beyond the limits of time and space hell yeah all three writers the three writers being karen gillen al ewing and Sy spurrier so it's the three most accomplished writers in the x office right now will continue their current story plans after the x universe shattering finale one shot sins of sinister dominion number one remember dominions and the powers of ten stuff Hell yeah. This sounds amazing. It said this X event will introduce a horrifying timeline that makes the Age of Apocalypse look like the X-Men swimsuit special. Thrown shade at the AOA. I love it. I love everything about *Sense of Sinister. This sounds super exciting. You've got Gillen, who's crushing it on X-Men. You've got Ewing, who's crushing it on X-Men. And you got size Spurrier, who we know can crush it on X-Men, and crushed it today on Legion of X number 6. This is going to rule. It's going to be so good. Now, initially, I got especially excited... Because, so for the checklist, Immortal X-Men, X-Men Red, and Legion of X are all on hiatus for, what is it, two, three months, probably, while Sins of Sinister is happening. Immortal X-Men is going to rebrand, though, as Immoral X-Men. Karen Gillen has confirmed this was in his pitch. Of course it was. Nobody, if you think, if you think we're going to get an alternate reality led by Sinister and Gillen isn't going to go to town on puns, and, and pun name characters and chimeras that are puns of characters, you got another thing coming. You got another thing coming. All right. And it's not Ben Grimm. We also got Wolverines is going to be a series, or what is it? No, Nightcrawlers is going to be the size spurrier one. And then Al Ewing is going to be doing Storm and the Brotherhood. Okay. So, those, all their books are going to become these these alternate reality books in the sins of sinister that's great that's perfect right just take the time focus on that now initially i got incredibly excited because i thought it was going to be like oh sweet for two months that's all there's going to be in the x line i have not i don't know that that's true right i like x-force might still uh you know be stalling and not going like x-force is basically on hiatus every week anyway even when it comes out (laughs) like like we've had 60 issues of that series being on hiatus some some preview of my thoughts here on X-Force and Wolverine. Um, but I, I don't know, like New Mutants, maybe it's still coming out during these months. I wish it was literally the only X-Men comics coming out for two or three months are these three books, In the Sins of Sinister. Like, just do that. Just have the patience to do that. Um, but obviously there's monetary concerns and all the things that drive Marvel, okay? So I don't know if that's true, but like that's in my head, that's basically gonna be the truth of the X-Men line is like, it's the sin of Sinister. That's the only thing I'm gonna care about at that point in time. And I'm super hyped for the series. I don't know how you could read Immortal X-Men today, read X-Men Red recently, read the Gillen and Ewing verse of what they're doing with X-Men and not be incredibly hyped for them doing an alternate reality that's gonna do future stuff it's gonna do huge Dominion stuff. It's got a, uh, it's got Rasputin 4 teased, okay? All the powers of 10 stuff, they are leaning into it, they're teasing it. We've been waiting for this sinister moment since House and Powers, right? This was a huge tease. It was like in one of these timelines in Life 9, Sinister betrayed them. Okay, we know that happens in the future. Um, we also know that Moira, back in her planning for Krakoa interesting character days, was like I don't want Sinister involved. Professor X Magneto overruled her. They went and did it anyway. Okay? So, all of that stuff coming to a head. We know Sinister also, and we see this in Immortal X-Men number 7 today. We see this today where he's got his Moira factory. He's got his timeline reset thing. He's playing out various versions of Judgment Day. We learn in Immortal X-Men number 7 today, and there's going to be spoilers. Okay? There's going to be spoilers for the comics today, because how can they talk about them and not spoil them? If you haven't read them, read the Gillen-written stuff. Okay? It's all you need. It's all you need. Um, But definitely Immortal X-Men number 7, right? So, spoiler warning. Here it is. Okay? But in Immortal X-Men number 7 today, we see that Sinister has lived through, as we expected, has lived through multiple Judgment Days at this point in time. Has learned lessons, is trying new things. It's why he's totally unconcerned. About not just because he's glib and weird, (laughs) right? It's because he knows he can get back to his lab, he'll reset things, he'll take that data, and if the Celestial ends the world in Judgment Day he'll reset it and he'll do it all again obviously he's going to reset it or live through something in such a way where he wins where he figures out a way to manipulate this to his benefit which i have been predicting from the jump bt dubs okay and that's all going to lead into the sins of sinister so like not a new event but we got all these details about it that only make it sound cooler uh i for one am a billion percent like a billion percent confidence level okay like you can just you get a feel you know, like, for Marvel Comics stuff and, and for MCU even and all that stuff. Just, you know, you have a confidence level going into it. Like, oh, yeah, I think this is going to be great. Like, I, I just feel really good about where this is going. Um, My confidence level for Sins of Sinister is incredibly high. It's going to be good. It's going to be really, really good. I feel fantastic about it. I feel fantastic about it. Okay? The other huge X-Men tease that came out today... Um, and let's let, let before I get into that, let's uh let's just look through some of the comments here. I wanna see if there's any questions or anything that we definitely gotta talk about. A bit of a British invasion with Ewing Gillen Spurrier on Sinister. That's very true. That's very true. Huge day for the UK. I know they needed it after the Queen, right? After the Queen, everybody was like, Well, like, how are the British gonna conquer X-Men comics? And this is how they're doing it. Okay. If you're British, you don't get to play. If you're not British, you don't get to play in The Sins of Sinister. Um, at least I'm I'm I have the like vague sense that Ewan Gillen and Spurrier are all British. They might, I don't know. There's a lot of like global variants (laughs) in that region. So maybe that's not their official nationality. I don't know. But that, yes, it does appear that way. Um, Let's see what else. Really curious why Sinister's plans kept failing in today's issues. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Looking at Immortal X-Men. Just in time, Dave looks like he is doing much better. Thank you. I am doing much better than basically everyone else on YouTube. Uh, I am probably the best streamer. I probably look like the best streamer. Um, so I appreciate you saying that. And yes, to answer your question, all the hospital stuff is behind me. Uh, all of the I have children who uh, attend schools, sickness stuff, that's never going to be behind me apparently. <laughs> but But the hospital stuff is good. Thank you for your concern. Do you think Dr. Stasis will factor into sins of sinister? That's an interesting one. That's an interesting one. We still don't know a heck of a lot about... The clubs the sinister of clubs the the presumed sinister of spades and sinister of hearts um i'd be a little surprised i'd be a little surprised if it was a major player here especially because that feels like duggan stuff that feels like x-men stuff and that feels like orca stuff um which i don't necessarily anticipate will be huge in the sins of sinister but uh that's an interesting question that is an interesting question all right what else oh, okay we got to talk about fall of X first question here. Okay. Fall of X was teased summer, 2023. It's going to be another big X-Men event. Um, It sounds dramatic, (laughs) right? Like people saw this, they saw the fall of X. Unsurprisingly, a lot of folks freaked out folks being terminally online X-Men fans. Right. And, uh, and my immediate reaction was relax. It's going to be fine. Uh, I guarantee you, I guarantee you this is not an event signaling the end of the X-Men Krakoa era. There's a lock. There's a lead pipe lock, okay? Marvel is not in dire enough straits. X-Men comics are not doing so poorly. They're literally the most interesting thing, still, in the entire Marvel universe. They are driving the summer event. They will continue to be major players at the core and at the center of this universe. Um, It would be preposterous (laughs) <laughs> dare I say insane to to actually end this era and like do an X-Men reboot back to the back to basics let's get back to basics right as as Marvel loves to do every so often there's no chance there's no chance I'm ruling it out I'm guaranteeing this is not the end of the Croco era what I think is more likely what I think is more likely is that this is the end of Professor X's the the official end of Professor X's leadership role in Krakoa. I mean, post-Inferno. Like, we're basically already there. But then think about where we are, right? We have a triumvirate leading Krakoa from House of X and Powers of Ten. We have Moira. She's gone. She turned into an evil robot. We have Magneto. He's dead. He died. Permanent. Okay? In X-Men Red and here in the Judgment Day event. And we still have Professor X. He's the only one lingering. And on one hand... I think we have gotten way too little Professor X stuff in this era. I also think that about Moira. I've said that a gajillion times. Okay? Nonetheless, I think a fall of X will mean the fall of Professor X. I mean, I just think that's the most likely situation. The other thing, the other thing that's possible and very likely is interpreting fall of X as the fall of 10. (laughs) Okay? Do we have 10 council members due for a fall? I am not. I haven't done the math, but do we have 10 original council members still on the council? Okay, the fall of those 10? I think we don't, actually. I think we have fewer. So, like, I don't know that the math's going to add up, but, like, the idea of a fall of the 10 sort of mutants running thing, how about nine mutants on the council and Beast, right? Some sort of math equation there where they lose power or they get taken out. I mean, I think, ultimately, ultimately, I think the fall of X is going to be the big Orcus versus Krakoa throwdown. That has been built up and set up for so long. So when you're asking about Dr. Stasis in Sins of Sinister, no, but I think Dr. Stasis and Orcus in Fall of X, yes, I expect it to be the Moira-Orcus-Krakoa war, uh, essentially, but not actually leading to the death of the Krakoa era. Changes for what Krakoa is in its status as a, as a sovereign nation? I hope so. I hope so, right? Change is good, right? That's going to lead to interesting stories. Does it mean the X-Men move out to space? Does it mean they start conquering the cosmos in the way that they're predestined to? Maybe, right? Maybe all that stuff. But that's what I expect the fall of X to be. So everybody settle down. If you're enjoying the era, I guarantee you this is not going to be the end of it, okay? It's a lock. All right, what questions do we have here? Um, Question here, they can't just drag it on forever, can they? I mean, they can and they will (laughs) if it's profitable, you know, um, like, like you could say that about just like Marvel comics in general, right? Like they, they, they've been publishing them since 1961. They can't just do it forever. No, they intend to, they fully intend to. Um, I mean, I said early on, you know, not to, not to ruin everyone's fun, but like, if you look at Graham Morrison's new X-Men as a proto template for this sort of thing, eventually, eventually there will hit a tipping point where leadership and readership will be like, hey, can we have X-Men comics again? Like, this has gotten weird. <laughs> this has gone off the rails. We don't feel good about what happened here. And they will do a hard reset. Okay? And that is like the Chuck Austin X-Men era and Chris Claremont's return post-Grant Morrison. This happened. 2004 probably other areas where this exact same sort of thing has happened, but that's the most prominent to me. New X-Men allowed the X-Men to progress and get weird and try new stuff, and then eventually they were like, okay, okay, everybody settle down. We need to retcon immediately <laughs> what that mad Scotsman just did with Magneto and trigon <clears throat> You're welcome for that. On mic. Okay, so they will, they will do it. I The question is, like, you don't want them to run it into the ground, okay? You don't want them to run it into the ground um, and stay on Krakoa forever. And I think that was one of the major points of contention amongst fandom and probably amongst the X office in terms of, like, the Hickman exodus from the franchise, right? A major point of contention there seemed to be—and and, and not as contentious as, obviously, people would like it to be for the drama of it. But the major point of it was, like, okay, do we want to move forward into the next phase? And the X office being, like, no, let us linger in Krakoa. Right. And it's like, how long are you willing to linger in Krakoa? I think as a fan, I'm definitely more into the idea of progressing and moving on to the next thing. Right. Maybe there's some impatience there, but I just also feel like burning through story capital is the most interesting thing to me about superhero comics. Right. A a fear that you don't have enough story to burn through that suggests to me that we're going to sit in something stale for too long. Okay. Um, and that's an argument that we can have in perpetuity, but like, yeah, they'll, they'll have this era drawn out. I mean, here's the thing is a lot of people when it launched, were like, okay, I'll give this five years. That'd be 2024. Um, we're not there yet. You know, we're not quite there yet. If next year, 2023, we have a fall of X, I mean, listen, like four-ish years would be a decent ride. It would feel unfulfilling. I think ultimately Um, but I, but I do think they'll drag it out longer than that. Uh, hopefully in good ways. Drag it out is the wrong phrasing there, (laughs) right? That implies that it's going to be bad. And I hope that it's not. Uh, all right. Do you think Fall of X has something to do with the tease from Timeless, where it had the Orcus flag and humanity has dominion over Earth? This is a super chat from Braden. Thank you so much for the support and for asking the good question. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I I kind of addressed that a little. Like, I think Orcus is, is going to be an Orcus versus Krakoa thing? <clears throat> excuse me uh i think it's gonna be an orchestra kind thing uh anything timeless has teased um i'm not super up to date on what jackie mckay has done there with the king timeless stuff but uh yeah i mean i guess the interesting question would be like okay if it's fall of x is it the orcas wins book and they claim dominion over earth whatever that means and the x-men are forced off of earth essentially and I could see that happening, right? The X-Men have Outs. They have Option. They have Araka. They have Krakoa is a sentient being who has, like, launched into space before and survived. They have Forge, who could just make them a space house. <laughs> they have an incredible relationship with the Shi'ar. And because of Mysterium, um, real weight in the, in the galaxy, right? So could this be our send- the idea of Krakoa into space, I mean, that's something we see teased in Life Nine, in Moira's Ninth Life, right? Is like they're chased from Earth. Um, it's always a bad thing for mutant kind, right? <laughs> and it should be. I mean, I think the, the, the hardest part with that will be just that, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't feel like we've gotten enough, frankly, of Krakoa as a nation state. And actually interacting. Like, there's still a lot to do in terms of, like, their relationships with and Wakanda, and the Marvel stuff. I mean, Judgment Day is doing a lot, frankly. X-Men, the Duggan stuff, has done a fair amount in terms of just what are perceptions of the Island Nation, right? How much further can you go with that? I don't know. I don't know. So, yeah, I mean, it does seem like a very good theory and probably a, a safe bet that it's going to be Orcas winning and mutants chase to space to recoup or regather. Right? I think that's very possible. Um, okay, we got another super chat here. I'll answer this one first. Theories on how apocalypse fits an axe. Okay. So I wrote a piece for popverse.com. Cool site. I've done all my best writing for popverse this year, with the exception of my panel-by-panel debut. If you read panel by panel, really amazing comics criticism magazine run by um comics letterer Extraordinaire Hassan. I think it's Oatsman Loway, if I'm saying that wrong, apologies. Um I wrote a piece about my management and there the rules. Check it out. Check out by Panel. I think it's issue. Oh, I have no idea. I have no idea. Um, it's the. Ooh, I have no. I have no way to promote this, but it's awesome. <laughs> Trust me. Uh, but anyway, I wrote a piece for Popverse that was theories on what where's Judgment Day is going, and I wrote this I think after issue four had come out. And one of the theories I put in there was something I've shared on live streams, but it was you know the return of Apocalypse, and how in Eternals Celestial a Rocco getting decimated story is is ripe for the Return of Apocalypse. We're deep into this event. (laughs) There is one more issue and then an Omega issue, which I'm going to guess won't reveal a heck of a lot of new stuff so much as semi-recap sort of the state of things, gather everyone's bearings, and then tease a couple things. So that could be the issue where you tease like Apocalypse gets word and he's on his way. But it's not like like he's not going to do anything in Judgment Day if Apocalypse is teased in the Omega issue, right? So it is possible that Apocalypse would need to show up in the next and final issue as, like, the Grand Savior. It doesn't seem super likely at this point. I really don't. Um, I, I actually think it's incredibly unlikely at this point because that kind of... They don't need firepower. They don't need muscle, right? Now, I think it'd be dope if you played on Apocalypse's History and you said, oh, by the way, he shows up and he has celestial-destroying ideas because he has planned for that stuff, and he has. I've gone through the history, okay? He has ideas. (laughs) He has thoughts about fighting back against the Celestials. It would be a super deus ex machina the way this story has gone. The way this very thoughtful, very flippin' good event comic has gone, to just have the answer be, oh my god, that's Apocalypse's music, would be would feel very out of nowhere, I think, for most readers. So I think he could fit in brilliantly, and I would personally be very excited and have a lot of fun with that. I don't think it's going to happen. I really don't. Um, which means Apocalypse is coming back later <laughs> at a future date i mean i still think the most likely scenario is when we actually are in the end game of end games you know um not fall of x but whatever the next thing is maybe the next summer i think that's when apocalypse comes back and i i think the role is primarily going to be you know just leading an army of warriors um but it'd be cool but i i don't i don't see it maybe we'll see apocalypse and sins of sinister that would actually make a lot of sense because it's an alternate reality you can do whatever you want with it you can have sinister one-up apocalypse for once which never gets to happen um and then you're out of it right it's all going to reset eventually we know that um so that's like probably the most likely place to see apocalypse anytime soon all right let's see comment here uh i heard hickman is coming back for dr strange you heard wrong you heard wrong um I guarantee that's not happening. <laughs> it's another it's another Dave Steny lock. Uh, that was one of the... It's, an, it's not an X-Men, right? But it's Hickman. Um, that was another thing that was teased in your Comic-Con was there was a very mysterious and short teaser for what Hickman and Valeria Sheedy's next Marvel project is going to be. Uh, my theory on this, when I did a theory stream on what this book would be, would be is that it's, it's very likely to be a Cosmic Pantheon book, uh, that it's going to focus on the Marvel Cosmic Pantheon, um, you know, Eternity, Infinity, uh uh, the in-betweener, um, Lord Chaos, Master Order, right? All those Jim Starlin ideas, uh th- that's still I'm lock it in. Lock it in. I'm guaranteeing that's what it is. The design concepts I think could fit in to that really well. In particular, there's a character who's got, you know, a half black, half white side, burn face, you know, number face. Could be the in-betweener. I think we're looking at an in-betweener redesign. If you know your Marvel cosmic, you know what I'm talking about, right? So I think that is like I'm—I mean, I'm 98 percent on that one—that that's what's going to be. Hickman teased it as Sandman for the for the Marvel universe. Um, who are the Endless of the Marvel universe? It's the Marvel cosmic pantheon, right? Doctor Strange doesn't fit into that. There was a design that looked like it could be a redesigned Doctor Strange, you know, kind of a younger version. Um, but the artist Flayushidi immediately was on Twitter and was like, "No, that's not it." So no, Song not be Doctor Strange. Um, and again, I've said this before, but there is a zero percent chance, in my view, zero percent chance that Jonathan Hickman returns to Marvel and does an ongoing standard superhero book. Okay, we're done. We're done with that era. Um, Come back and do like a twelve issue maxi. I think is best case scenario, and a cosmic pantheon book sounds super fascinating, super fascinating. So I'm excited about it. Uh, I'm more excited about it. I mean, I, I, at some point, it'd be nice to have them actually like introduce the book. <laughs> But that's that's what I think it's gonna be. All right. Let's see. Um <laughs> this is like unrelated, but I mentioned Chuck Austin. So there's as awful as the Chuck Austin era was, I still prefer it over the Bendis era. That's a hot take. Um, I feel like there's been a mild Chuck Austin essence. You know, the, the creator was, I mean, in my probably the most reviled X-Men comics creator I've ever like ever heard of. Okay, I wasn't, like, in the scene when this was happening, but early two thousand stuff. Certainly a lot of those stories are held up as the worst of all time. Um, Certainly the worst X-Men stories of all time. You know, you got the Draco in there. You got She Lies with Angels. Um, I I reread a lot of that stuff. You know, I talked about it, you know, kind of in the wake of Morrison just being super curious. It's definitely not as bad as people like to point it out to be uh, in the moment. Probably didn't feel that way. (laughs) In retrospect, it does. Uh, I actually, I will defend a lot of the Bendis era stuff um especially the beginnings the the earlier stuff i think the uncanny x-men stuff especially i like that era of like cyclops and the cave mutants hiding out <laughs> you know emma frost and magic and all that stuff uh, You get the introduction of gold balls um i think I, by the end of it i was more than done um but hey but hey it's a take it's a take uh but no i'm i i will stand for that i will stand for the bendis area um there's some interesting stuff in there actually, i actually think when you look back all right, let's see. What am I missing? What am I missing? Okay, we got another super chat here. I got to address this one from Ramazan. Thanks for asking <coughs> and supporting. Any thoughts on Mueller's leave for making logos? I had not seen that announced. Tom Muller is the designer um, or one of the co-designers on like basically all the X-Men stuff. Uh, had a huge, I mean, a huge influence on House of X and Powers of Ten and, and so much of what we enjoyed and and kind of defined the Krakoa era. So, I mean, my only thought would be incredible gratitude and respect for an amazing job well done on making this era of X-Men comics look so incredible. I mean, I don't think uh, there's no like tea leaves in there for me as far as like, does it mean something? Uh, I think it probably just means individuals taking on you know new creative opportunities and good for them. uh, They defined this era of X-Men comics visually and in the iconography and did a better job of that than, I mean, how often is design and logo design like as, as, as at the front of the conversation, as it has been for these X-Men comics. You know, uh, it's not hardly ever (laughs) a focus. And Muller, you know, in collaboration with Hickman and company, made it so. So amazing work, job well done. Um, I imagine they'll just keep using the same things (laughs) for for a bit, you know, and, and probably you won't notice because the work's been done and they can keep repurposing it, at least for a while. All right, what else do we got here? Okay, I gotta skip ahead. Let's um, let's keep going because we got a lot and not a ton of time. Uh, Okay, so the other questions we had, oh, the other stuff at New York Comic Con was uh, there were four new books announced in the X Men line. There's going to be Bishop War Council miniseries. There's going to be a Rogue and Gambit miniseries. There's going to be an X Men twenty or an X twenty three miniseries and a Captain Britain miniseries. In order of how excited I am. About these. Bishop War Council, one. Concept, unexplored. Bishops are great character, and you have a really interesting creative team. Two, Rogan Gamut. Can be good. Never mind, like, I'm not, like whatever. They're fine. (laughs) I like Rogan Gambit. Fine. I don't care, really, about all the X-Men romances and stuff like that, which is why I was so delightfully surprised when Kelly Thompson wrote a Gambit series, and it was super fun, and I enjoyed it a lot. That's written by Stephanie Phillips. I think she does great work. Um, So that's my number two. I think that's gonna be good. X... nope, nope, wrong. Three is Captain Britain. Okay, listen, we've seen Teenie Howard's Captain Britain saga, right, through Excalibur and Knights of X. You know if you're in or you're out at this point. (laughs) <laughs> okay. If you're caught up on everything and you've been having a good time, Captain Britain is the continuation of that. Um this this is definitely the element for me that was like probably the most interesting development of the whole series, which was Betsy Braddock becoming Captain Britain, the entire Captain Britain core being various versions of Betsy's. That's still the most interesting thing to me about what this what this thing represents. Um but I'm still at the end of the day just not an Excalibur head. I'm not a Betsy Braddock like uber fan and i mean i'll check out you know just to have a sense of what's going on but i'm not whatever it's not for me um number four x23 listen this book could be amazing i'm i have to assume it's going to be flashbacks because laura kinney is wolverine um gabby is doing her thing in new mutants there's no need to have a character go back to the x23 codename um like just retire it like i tweeted this but like there should be jerseys around krakoa retired code names okay just like have the x23 bulls jersey hanging from the Cohen rafters just all over the island retire it we're done we're good it's probably again it's probably gonna be a flashback thing but why i just that this one i'm just like why is this happening why is this why does this book exist why not do a Laura wolverine mini you know I, I'm, I'm very confused by it i'm very confused by it um but it's happening it's happening so i'm not excited about that one okay what else do we got Uh, that's it. That's it. We talked about all the New York Comic Con stuff. Okay, so we can now answer some questions, but first This week's episode is brought to you by big water. Thanks water I'm seeing Celtics Jersey in the comments. I just want to condemn that comment Let that linger for a moment. Okay, all right, we got a question here from Kenji Kenji asks Hey Dave, I have a lecture during the live stream. but wanted to comment early and ask if you think Kieran Gillen has any plans to make big plays with Moira after seeing what he did in Immortal Number 7. Okay, Immortal X-Men Number 7 was very good. It is a Judgment Day tie-in. It is a Nightcrawler character showcase. Nightcrawler is my favorite mutant. <coughs> so this was a blast. This was a blast for me. I loved Nightcrawler getting the shine. Um, it was an awesome character study. And then it took a turn. Like, it felt like the issue was done. You know, we kind of got Nightcrawler's perspective on how Judgment Day had been going, and the build-up to the final thing we've seen in Judgment Day, which was Captain America's shield coming up out of an egg. And what we got revealed here in Immortal X-Men number 7 was, yes, that is Steve Rogers, okay? Like, Nightcrawler took his blood, it is, for all intents and purposes, a yoked, super-nakey Steve Rogers with his shield out of the egg, which is still ridiculous, that he hatched with his shield in hand, but also I have no notes. <laughs> it's fine. Um, okay, so that happens, and it's like, oh, okay, like, yeah, that's actually Steve. And that's a big deal in and of itself in terms of the continuity and what's going on in these X-Men comics because uh, I guess mutants can resurrect humans. Okay, Cyclops has said previously they can't. Like, that's what he told Ben Uric. Um, That was kind of my understanding, too. It was like resurrection processes will not work for, um, for non-mutants. Okay? But the implication here is that's actually not true. If they want to, they can. That's kind of a big deal. That's kind of a big deal. But that's not the biggest deal, because what happens after a data page is Nightcrawler goes on this epic quest to capture Moira X. Okay? Out of the blue. Out of the blue, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, part of the plan here to stall Judgment Day because, by the way, the Celestial is destroying Earth. (laughs) The Celestial is killing everyone on Earth, literally killing the Earth machine um, in Eternals, and, like, everyone's gonna die, it's the end of the world, like, it's not, it's not just, like, oh, this big event feels like the end of the world, no, it's literally the end of the world, (laughs) like, that's happening, Nightcrawler's plan, and part of the plan here is to go to Orca's base in space, and capture Moira, so you get this really cool sequence of him, like, repeatedly dying, suffering at the hands of Nimrod, um, just to try to get to Moira, and how he has to, like, have the strategy to do that, because he can keep getting resurrected, but they can keep killing him, Um, There's some interesting stuff going on as far as like Professor X is live resurrecting him. So like he's not losing memories or moments like mutants normally do, which that's totally new. I don't think we've ever seen that before. Um, So anyway, all that's happening and Nightcrawler captures Moira. We have not seen Moira in this event since the first issue where it was revealed that evil robot Moira um, told Druig about basically all the Krikowen secrets. That she was like, here's how they're doing it. Here's how they do Resurrection. And like gave him the the information to try to take out Krakoa back when this felt like it was just the, um, you know, Krakoa Eternals War. I remember those days. But yeah, I did not see that coming. I did not see it coming that like we were going to bring Moira back into the fold here. Um, that that would be a big part of the plan. I'm super excited about that. That's really cool. I think it makes a lot of sense. Do you think... He has plans to make big plays with Moira? I think definitely. <coughs> Excuse me. I think absolutely. Like, like is going to play a significant role. The question is, you know, kind of why, right? Why do they need Moira? I mean, I think the implication I got here was they're treating this progenitor, this, this def- um, you know, mad god, as an AI problem in a lot of ways. And Moira, evil robot Moira, is an extreme you know, case study in AI. <laughs> so I think there's potential that Moira can connect with the Celestial, maybe help them take it down in ways that a lot of characters couldn't. Um, Plus, it does the classic thing of, you know, God loves, man kills, like where the X-Men have to team up with the Magneto. Like, that's what this is at this point because, you know, Moira is, this is the arch-villain of, of all humanity. <coughs> oh. I mean, they're getting choked up, or, you know, my throat is raw from coughing these days. One moment. Okay, as far as why Moira would help them, there's some really good stuff here, some good commentary from Moira, or from Nightcrawler, in terms of saying, like, no one is more scared to die than you, which sums up where Moira's at incredibly well, incredibly well, and the Celestial is going to destroy everything. Orcus's schemes to save humanity... Moira's schemes for infinite survival, they don't work <laughs> when the Celestial does that. So, seems like they have to play nice together for a little while. Right? It's a possibility. It's a possibility. That's cool. I did not see it coming. I'm excited by it. It was a great twist. Immortal X-Men number 7 ruled. I, I absolutely loved the issue, and it was awesome. Okay, what other questions do we have? Um, I want to ask if you, if you would like Legion taking, and there's a question from Marcos, I want to ask if you would like Legion taking either the Stalamante or Dream seats. I think it's a Stalemate. I'm gonna guess in the Great Ring in the wake of Magneto's demise. Um, hmm. So Legion of X is the only non-Gillan <coughs> excuse me, the no, only non-Gillantine today that I would say I'm super into. Uh, it was awesome. It was my favorite issue of Legion of X. It was wholly focused on Legion and the fight with Uranus. And kind of the state of things on Araco, which means it was the only issue of this run so far that was focused. Okay? Like, that has been probably my biggest critique of just too many spinning plates, too much chaos, and no core. Just a complete absence of a core. That issue, fi- This issue fixes that for an issue. And it's very good. I, it's just the best tie-in that I read today, um, again, that wasn't written by Gillen himself. Okay. Do I want to see Legion on the Great Ring in the wake of Magneto's demise? Yeah, I probably do. I think I probably do. I think Araco is most interesting when we have one or two major, like, traditional Krakoan mutant players to give us kind of some perspective um, just in terms of, like, who they are and how they differ from this culture. So, and I think Legion in this series so far is really struggling with, like, his role— what is he supposed to do, and how much power is he supposed to use. And I think that would be a nice fit. Um, and it was a good, it was especially good because it showed how, like, Legion and Uranus are actually equally matched. Okay? Like, he actually was of a level with Uranus. Arguably, he was more powerful because Legion was, like, super distracted here. And he kind of loses because of the distractions, as opposed to Uranus actually being more powerful. That was a nice twist on things. Uh, because otherwise, we had only seen Uranus basically be able to defeat everyone except for Storm Magneto to the point of Magneto, you know, dying in the effort. Also, huge shouts, huge shouts for a very Jim Starlin, Thanos 1st Drax-esque fight between Legion and Uranus. That included, uh, like, a battle of the bands, that included, like, a dance-off. This was very, like, FX Legion, you know, just visually. Uh, that stuff rules. That stuff is awesome. Loved seeing that in there. So yeah, Legion of X was good. If you're going to read one issue of Legion of X, if you're going to read one tie-in that came out today, this is the one, okay? I mean, there were a billion tie-ins today. Um, Immortal x was great. Axe Eternals and Axe Death to the Mutants are the other Gillan w- uh, written ones, which are important and definitely add to the flavor. Um, the rest of it was all... So you had the character study stuff. Axe Iron Fist number one, Captain Marvel number 42, Fantastic Four number 48. If you're reading those series and you're huge fans of those characters, those are recommended. They're character study stuff, though. They don't really add to the narrative. They all occur after like issue three of Judgment Day as well. So, you know, you can kind of read them earlier in the saga. Um, And then there was X Force Wolverine where the other X Men tie ins. And I made my thoughts known earlier, but these books are just like, they're not doing it for me. Um, I think right now they are the worst of the line. and, and definitely like like there needs to be a conclusion to this series and and some sort of turnover I think um for these to to have any meaning again like just the absolute most average stalled out stuff you could possibly be producing on these titles which is a huge bummer because I think there's a lot of cool ideas there's a lot of good seeds and there's a lot of talent involved um but the books just go nowhere they just go nowhere so fast. Uh, it's a bummer. Like, nothing else. Like, like it, if you think about this era, and you think about where Grakoa started, <coughs> and you look at that, and you're like, oh, and the one thing we're going to get 60 issues of is an X-Force Wolverine interlocking saga that doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> That's such a bummer. That's such a bummer from the potential of what of what this era, you know, represented. Okay, enough on that. Enough on that. Let's see. What else do we got? Uh, other important stuff today. I don't know. Get in your questions. Get in your thoughts. I'm going to take some more water because clearly my throat is falling apart. we got to call this. <laughs> One of the questions I see here, is the Colossus Mole storyline still going on? Yes. <laughs> no updates in, I think, mean, what, 10 months? Nine months? But yes, it's still happening. <laughs> He's just been on the council. Mole it up. Uh why are they turning Omega Red into a cannibal? Uh he's always eaten mutants, life force, just not like, you know, so cannibal-y. So, you know, why not? I got <laughs> I got no issues there. What else we got? Does Legion of X show what happened to Legion in the Uranus fight? Yes, it does. Sure does. Uh. Duh, duh, duh. Somebody's saying that's the fight, them dancing and playing music? No, that's that's one small thing. And I wish it had been, I wish there had been more of it, frankly. Why didn't they have Reed Richards on plan making and decisions? Uh, yeah, I mean, the that is actually, in Fantastic Four number 47 and 48, these crossover tie-ins, Reed like goes into his think tank and he's like, I'm going to think up how to beat a celestial. Um, and the book does other things with it. And it's clearly, at the end of it, it's like, Reed comes out and he's like, the lesson I learned was to be a family man. Um, which is fine and very Fantastic Four. And the issues are actually quite good. Um, but it's also like, well, clearly you just weren't invited to the event circle. <laughs> like, like there's no great reason why Iron Man, Tony Stark at this point, wouldn't be calling Reed and being like, hey, we need to think of how to get out of this. Like that, yes, that's that's one of those Marvel Universe suspension of disbelief things where you just have to be like, well, the Fantastic 4 are won't really major players here. That's the reason. That's all let's see um excuse me All right, I'm gonna answer two more questions and then I'm gonna go because my throat is a problem okay do you think sins of sinister will lay groundwork for how universal societies connect to Krakoa's potential timelines yes and that's why I'm so excited that's a huge part of why I'm so excited they're gonna do the powers of ten stuff they're going to do the future stuff. You don't call that first issue Dominion if you're not going to play with that. We've gotten virtually nothing on the Powers of 10 sci-fi front. I'm so hungry for it. I'm starving for it. It's going to be there in Sins of Sinister. Yes, I think they're going to do a lot with that, and I think it's going to hugely tease out like how the— act. because, again, like this is going to get reset. The alternate reality is going to come back. Immortal X-Men is not done. That series is going to rebound and restart, um, and then it's going to tease out a lot about, like, oh, like here's where this thing can go. Um, We saw some of that (coughs) in Sins of Sinister. Okay, final question. How do you think this disjointed Krakoa era will be viewed in X-Men comics history? That's a really good question. (coughs) What do you all think? What do you all think? I think it will be viewed very positively in terms of sort of the baseline quality of it all. OK, I think the the baseline quality and sort of interconnectedness and the feeling of what it could be, I think it's going to have a lot of like evergreen people coming back to it mileage. You know, for X-Men comics readers in the future, you know, think about something about like a utopia era, for example. Right. Which is a comp for a lot of obvious reasons. If you just look at that era, there's not a ton of stuff there that you'd be like, oh, yeah, you have to read Matt Fraction's Canny X-Men, right? Like, that's not held up as iconic, necessary stuff. It's interesting. There are moments. Um, and it plays to kind of a feeling, right? Kind of a vibe of what the line is at that time, post-Messiah Complex, pre-Avengers vs. X-Men. You look at that era, though... And you just kind of have a feel of, like, well, does everything matter? Is everything connected? Is everything building towards something important in various ways? I think the Krakoa era is going to have a much better – people are going to have a much better memory of that, you know? I think it's going to to really stand out because House and Powers are so strong as a kickoff point and as kind of a must-read for X-Men fans. You know, it is – like, Marvel teased it this way, and they were right to – it's a moment. It's an event in X Men history. When we go back and you look at, you know, it's going to be the start of Claremont that people talk about. It's going to be Age of Apocalypse. It's going to be Jim Lee, Chris Claremont. It's going to be Grant Morrison, maybe Messiah Complex, and kind of the Utopia era, you know, because you do you get stuff in there like Remenders on X Force. You know, that's a part of that era, in a way, right? And that's just a run I would recommend people go check out. Uh, I think the Krakow era is going to get talked about in those terms, and I think it's going to get talked about them. You know, probably like just as positively everything shy of Claremont, frankly. Um, and I'm not going to do that comparison right now. But yeah, I mean, I, I do think it's going to be going to be pretty well regarded in the future. The thing right now, obviously in the moment, is everything's pretty good. <laughs> like like if you're an X-Men fan, you read month to month, things are better than they've been. And there's plenty of good stuff to read. But it's all been downhill since House and Powers. And, like, that's kind of unfair. You know? It just is. Especially to what's going on now. Like, especially the Destiny of X stuff, where I look at Gillen and Ewing what they're doing. And I'm like, these might be the two best books straight up of this entire experience. But I'm not as over the moon with excitement about what could be. You know? And, and that's a hard thing to shake. I think that feeling, the further away we get from living through it, will be relatively meaningless. Like when a fan comes to this stuff in four years and it's done and they can just binge the whole thing and don't have the expectations of what might be and don't have this nagging sort of like, oh, what could have been and maybe, you know, we'll return to that. It's just going to be, here's the body of work, check it out, and they're going to have a great time, you know? They're going to have a really good time. So I do think that's that's a good question, and something gets lost a little bit in the the day-to-day, month-to-month grind of it all, is like, yeah, when this wraps, it's going to be one of the coolest eras in X-Men history, and we get to live through that right now and enjoy that, and it leads to things, you know, like today, like, like the thing about superhero comics and about Marvel Comics is if you're heavily invested (laughs) and and obsessed you read a lot of bad ones you just do most comics aren't that good you read a lot of bad ones and what it does is it really makes it stand out how the good ones are great like like when good ones really work they stand out a lot you know immortal x-men number seven today even legion of x number six on another level they're very exciting when they hit because it's like oh hell yeah here's one that's doing it you know this one's working This one is not average. This is not one of thousands. You know? One of You know, how many comics at this point, right? Hundreds of thousands. Okay? Um, This one stands out. This one works. Quirquire has a higher number of those than most eras of X-Men comics. And that's the best you can hope for. Um, So, yeah. It's a good question. I I do think there are complaints and there are criticisms. And I'll continue to have them. Uh, But when you look at it and step back from it... The Krakoa era is like like the alternative. No alternative is better. You know what I mean? Um, The only alt reality that is better is writer Jonathan Hickman stayed involved and present and everyone rallied around this sense of vision and purpose that it felt like the line could have. And (laughs) to make it even harder... And it all paid off, a la Secret Wars 2015. You know that unprecedented series <laughs> of interconnected tapestry through the Marvel universe. You know that was a lot. That was a lot we were hoping for, and a lot to expect. Um, but yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> and of course, and of course, at the end of all this, and having confirmed that the fall of X will not be the end of the Krakoa era. I see a comment here. Can't wait for follow of so because I hear it's the end of this Krakow era. <laughs> that was the whole stream, man. <laughs> all right. I got to go. Thank you all so much for hopping in here and and talking live. I really appreciate it. Um, great questions today. Good comments. I really appreciate the Super Chat and those of you supporting the the show. Uh, if you like Comic Carol, please like, subscribe, share, comment, do all that fun stuff. That will help me. Um, and, you know, next week we'll try to get to more of the questions. So if you have questions this week that were – uh, that were good, you know. Next week, we'll we'll try to get to even more of them. All right, thanks so much, everybody, for listening, and as always, enjoy the comics.